0: Joanna had graduated to her own camel. Her father, Wu Li, had told her that if she managed to keep her seat from the beginning of Kucha to the city of Kashgar, that he would let her off the leading string for the journey home. Shuming's protest had died on her lips when she met Wu Li's indulgent glance. Joanna's camel was young and small, but what she lacked in size and maturity she made up for in energy and a fierce determination to be out in front. At Joanna's nudge, she lengthened her stride to something approaching a canter. Joanna, Woolley said in a warning voice, "I'm sorry, Father." Joanna said with an impish glance over her shoulder, "She wants to run." Wu Li? Xu Ming said, and he looked at her with an expression warring between guilt and pride. He shrugged, a twinkle in his eye. "She wants to run." Shuming looked at the receding figure of their daughter. They both want to run, she said. By now three lengths ahead of Deshi the scout, Joanna was concentrating so hard on keeping her balance, while at the same time keeping her back straight, that she didn't see the body until her camel stumbled over it. Her only consolation was that Deshi had not seen it either, although to be fair, the rest of the remnants of the other caravan were well buried in the shifting desert sand, Joanna was almost thrown, almost, but luckily not quite. Nevertheless, Wu Li had seen. He kicked his camel into a trot and arrived at her side at the same time as Deshi the scout. All right, daughter? All three of them stared at the desiccated limb that her mount's hoof had exposed. Joanna swallowed. All right, father. Good. Stay in your saddle. Her back straightened and her chin rose. Of course, father. Shu Ming had seen too, and came up fast. And when she yanked on the reins, her camel stopped so abruptly that its hindquarters slid out from beneath it, and rider and camel both skated past on the sand. On any other day, the sight would have provoked laughter and teasing. Today, Joanna managed only a shaken smile. Deshi the scout already had his bow out, and an arrow knocked, his face stern as he scanned the horizon. Wu Li pulled his mount around and raised a hand. The line of camels halted, some expressing their displeasure by groaning and spitting. One kicked out with his right hind leg, narrowly missing Manju the cook, who let loose with a string of cheerful curses that died on his lips when he looked ahead to see what the problem was. Wu Li kicked his camel into a kneeling position and slid down, loosening his knife as he went. But the bodies were days dead. And the only sound on this lonely expanse of undulating dunes was the rasp of wind on sand. He looked at Deshi the scout, who withdrew to the nearest rise, there to keep a watch in every direction at once. By the time they had uncovered the bodies of three camels, a horse, and thirteen people, it was almost sunset. Wu Li sent a rider ahead to Kashgar to alert the authorities and to let Shu Shao know they would be late in arriving. Manju located a small oasis with an even smaller spring and two frail date palms half a league from the road and supervised the setting up of a camp while Wu Li gathered what evidence he could to reconstruct what had happened. Deshi the scout found a scrap of sheer red fabric. The edge was hemmed with gilt spangles. Gujarat weave, he said. There are no women or children among the bodies, Wu Li said, Muslim bandits, then. Every year they move further east. Remember the Buddhist shrine we found last year. What was left of it, I do. Deshi the scout hawked and spat. This kind of thing didn't happen when the old Khan was alive. Wu Li agreed, but silently, as even here, a thousand leagues from the capital, one could never be sure who was listening. Kublai Khan's heirs had been competent, but they were not visionaries and they had allowed the politics of court and the luxuries of the throne to distract their attention from the disintegrating infrastructure of their empire. Over the years, the road had become slowly but steadily more perilous. They ate without appetite and mostly in silence that evening, and turned in early. Wu Li took the first watch, knife at his side, bow at his knee. They had not pitched the yurts in case they had to move suddenly and quickly. For a long time into that very long night, Joanna watched the figure of her father back to the coals of the fire, the fronds of the two palms hanging limp and listless over his head, a black sky glittering with stars above.